yesterday, I wasn't paying enough attention um, while I was working because we were super busy and I drank. So I'm sitting here with a dehydration headache, technically speaking hangover, technically, mm-hmm. talking about temperance. <laughs> Yes. Hello. Terrified. Hello. Good morrow. Good, good morrow twice. Good to evening yesterday. Good evening as of 12 hours ago. Mm-hmm. 12 hours ago. More like late. That's more like late afternoon, early evening. Yeah, I say I didn't have evening chow until like 7. And so, you know, evening came I... later for me than usual. I don't get home until 7, so I always eat at 7. Okay. (laughs) Now that we've excited everyone with boring stuff. Boring stuff. Uh, More boring stuff. Tyler, what are you drinking? I'm having water. I'm having so much water. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Aha. I'm extremely dehydrated. I pinched my arm this morning, and it just went ahead and fell off. I was like, oh, no. Nice. That's bad. Mm -hmm. Let's see if I'm dehydrated. Oh, I don't have an arm. Tyler Moberly. <clears throat> so, I actually yourself? I actually have whiskey today. I see you've made it to the store since last week. I have. I finally got some. See, see, see if you can guess what kind I got. Have to listen. Huh? Oh, am sure. I listening for the cork? No, 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 not listening for the cork. But if you want to listen, you can listen to this. Oh, it must be. Um, hold on, I get one hint here. Um, I need to have one hint. Mm-hmm. It, is it just a, is it, do I just, do I just have to guess the, the, the brand or is it like something really specifically weird? Um, uh, the, the answer is yes to both. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not like, uh. Things like this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. Um, uh, but it is, I guess, vaguely specifically weird. But all you have to guess is the brand. In that case, I was going to guess Monkey Shoulder. Because I thought for sure you might eventually try that again. But I'm not going to guess that now. No, well, um, it's Monkey Shoulder. That was my first thought. I should have went with the instinct. <laughs> <laughs> you went, oh, Monkey Shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> so do you like it again now yeah well i i never stopped disliking it or wait no <laughs> i never disliked it it's me no i never disliked it there's just a time when it uh, it wasn't my absolute favorite <laughs> um uh, and it still isn't my absolute favorite um uh, i'd gotten used to very very strong whiskeys um uh, and very very strong this is not and so now it's almost, like, too mild, but it's good. I like it. I'm going to try it again eventually <clears throat> now that I've I've tried more things. Because when we did that blind taste test and we both agreed that it was the worst one, mm-hmm. I was I was still mm. no, I didn't agree that it was, a lot of them. I didn't agree that it was the worst one. Collectively. I still, I still like, yeah, 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 together. Because I still liked it way better than the Canadian. 
That was really bad. <clears throat> it was in a plastic bottle from Canada, so thanks, Justin Trudeau. Yeah, well, the thing is, though, it's like the cl- it was the classic Canadian. Like, if you're going to drink a Canadian, you know this brand. It was a Seagram's. So it wasn't like it was, like, you know, useless. You know, Seagram's is the Jack Daniels of Canada. And Jack Daniels is supposedly not that bad. It's just people that love whiskey don't like it. I've never had it, so I couldn't tell you. But uh, from what I can tell, it isn't. From what I've heard, it isn't actually bad. It's just that people who like whiskey snub their nose at it because it's popular. You see, and, and that is kind of the thing. Um, it, but but what I found that's really interesting. If if you're saying this is one of my favorite <clears throat> types of alcohol because it's so good as a mixed drink, I <clears throat> automatically assume that it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have to mix it with something, then it's not good. Mm-hmm. Jack Daniels, I have had a Jack and Coke before. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I then tried a little bit of Jack. It's not fantastic. Mm. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm so it's something I've never bought, mm-hmm. never kept in my house, never, mm-hmm. I don't ever mess with it. It's it's not like it's garbage, but it's, it, it is really only good as a mix thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, then why would I have that? I don't have, when I, if I wanted to go get a drink, I'm not making, if I have to mix it with a soda, I'm probably not in. Uh, well, see, people say all the time that they love Jack and Coke, but I've never once jacked in my Coke. Not in my Coke. <clears throat> it's, it's more of a Fanta kind of thing. <laughs> it really is. Thanks, Insane Clown Posse. That's all your fault. Well, that's link, in the description, <laughs> link in the description below of, of the Insane Clown Posse <laughs> making a furry video. <laughs> That um uh, never forget. Yeah. Well, see that, that that's the thing though. When you when you jack in a Fanta, that's how uh, the flavor of orange cream comes yeah, I was about. about to say, it's an orange. That's an orange cream tickle. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so long I was gonna be able to go along with that. <laughs> that's nasty. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> well, now that we've said disgusting and vile things and talked about alcohols that we like. <laughs> Let's talk about mere Christianity. Mere Christianity, <laughs> part three. Part three, what Christians believe. <laughs> <laughs> this chapter is somewhat about abstinence and temperance, everybody. <laughs> but at least he does properly define temperance, not as teetotalitarianism, but mm-hmm. as uh, not going overboard. <clears throat> Which actually isn't a bad place <clears throat> to start. But I think mm-hmm. we're skipping ahead a bit if we talk about that right away. Yeah. Yeah, so let's not. Let's no, not. Chapter one. Mm-hmm. Chapter so chapter one, one, title, three parts of morality. Mm-hmm. Um, where'd it go? There it is. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I thought what Christians believe. That's book two. Christian behavior is book three. And this is why we made that comment last week about... Um, wanting to have read up a little bit more on it. It's not because we haven't read it. It's not because we don't decently understand it. But mm-hmm. this, um, going from, we're talking about what people believe is relatively straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about all the behavior and, mm-hmm. and the way that he talks about behavior, mm-hmm. it's a very, um, he even talks about Freud a little bit. So there's a lot of like psychology into this. It, it's a much denser topic and he goes mm-hmm. about it uh, in much more detail. So I, 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 we both kind of agreed to not do it last week because we wanted to really uh, be up on it because it's dense. It's mm-hmm. very dense. It's very good, but it's very dense. 
Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I am. Uh, here's proof that you know, he goes into the fact saying that Freud is stupid and doesn't know anything about psychoanalysis for the most part, yes. and that's not his, yes. and that's not because that wasn't his expertise. But um, uh, he um, uh, <clears throat> uh, the thing is, though, I've known for a long time that Freud was stupid. Uh, yes. For example, Freud says Freud has said that at some point every man wishes to have sex with his mother. But by the time I was born, Freud's mother was long dead. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> that would be that would be a very different set of issues you would have then. <clears throat> I think there's something else wrong with me. <laughs> <laughs> anyways anyways uh, um uh yeah chapter one the three kinds of three parts of morality. three parts of morality yeah, yeah. <clears throat> all right yeah so there's a thing right there said so there's a schoolboy who taught what god was like the very first thing that happens in the first chapter and uh god is described by this schoolboy as exactly my mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Because it said, God was the sort of person who is always snooping around to see if anyone is enjoying himself and then trying to stop it. <laughs> and that is my mother-in-law. <clears throat> I have almost heard the exact words from her. Hey, are you guys having fun in there? <laughs> stop it at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> so so this one, I'm gonna mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. Um this is obviously good. Mm-hmm. The chapter is obviously good. Yeah. Um I don't really care about focusing on it. Um mm-hmm. if you want to do hit a quick point or two, that's fine. For me, the the meat of this book is when mm-hmm. he's talking about the cardinal virtues. Mm-hmm. And really not even all the cardinal virtues. We we wouldn't have time to dive deeply into into each little section of, of book three. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's decently lengthy and very, very deep. And whatever things you think need hit on, um, go for it. Mm-hmm. But I think we're going to spend the majority of our time kind of going <clears throat> through. I think it's going to be a, a good point for especially with, with our channel. Um, I, I really did want to hit on the temperance thing because I think it's really, it, I, I think someone who just would kind of tune in and be like, here's two guys being uh, vulgar and drinking alcohol and mm-hmm. talking about Christianity. And I was like, I feel like us kind of reading his take and then describing about why that's more or less our take. And I, I really wanted to do that. I think that was a very important point for our <clears throat> particular panel to hit. Mm-hmm. So the first part, if you have a comment on the first chapter, please make it and I'll comment off of it. But like, this is the part that I would, I was not caring about as much to talk about. Yeah. So, I mean, just briefly, um, uh, the primary concept of the first chapter in this book is, um, uh, uh, it's hard to refer to like Christian morality or morality as a whole is a set of, of rules that you know, you should abide by and are not supposed to break, and they're often referred to as ideals, and that is wrong in that you say, this is my ideal, and therefore it may not be that of someone else. It's correct, though, to call it an ideal in that the 
the the concept of an ideal is it's the ultimate thing to be attained but is unattainable um uh, mm-hmm. and so and that that is that is true but that's because that's really the whole point of Christianity isn't it is that these are rules that we must follow however it is not possible for us to follow them so we must have help that's mm-hmm. the whole point of Christianity in a nutsack in a nutsack mm-hmm. and that really is an interesting concept because mm-hmm. it's not what I think if you talk to anyone who's on the outside looking in, um, that's never ever their perception, mm-hmm. uh, ever. Um, there's there's this concept of being like, well, I don't want this um, being who's making up a bunch of rules that are nearly impossible to follow. So because I, I have to be a perfect person and, and never enjoy my life because all I'm worried about is being perfect, um, and that's not the point, and it's not the case. Mm-hmm. And so it's really interesting to have this talk with people. Um, because it's it's for for people who actually care or for people who are actually interested in listening it's a very eye-opening conversation to have because it's not about perfection it's about striving for perfection because mm-hmm. see that that's, that's the thing if i'm yep no that's the thing um uh the thing isn't you know don't stumble and fall you know if you if you if you're, you're trying and you fall and you get and you get up there it's um uh uh, is I forget where this is at, but it's in the Bible. It said a, a righteous man will get up though he falls seven times. That's the difference. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it's in the striving. A, excuse me. There's a really great analogy that Lewis does in this book, and it's not in. Correct me if I'm wrong. It might be in book three, and I've completely forgot about it. But mm-hmm. he talks about um, um the the Christ coming into your life. He's making it a, a the analogy of uh, the house. Like you, if you're if you think about it as Jesus is coming into your house to, um, to change it for the better and to make the changes that you know says like well let's say you struggle with these big huge issues you know that you want, um, you know you want God to take away your, you you your explosive temper or, mm-hmm. or your massive cocaine addiction whatever, um and you know that those are the things that need to be fixed. So when you invite Christ into your home, look, we'll say that's like, oh, there's a giant leaky pipe that's spraying water everywhere. Well, he's going to go and fix that. Mm-hmm. But you find as you keep going there, he's adding on a wing. He's doing this thing. He's changing the floors. You know, like he mm-hmm. makes these little uh, these little examples of, of it's not about he comes in and fixes the one problem and everything's done. And you never make a mistake again. It's about constantly becoming better and, and constantly improving on yourself, not about constantly being perfect. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, and it was also the the other thing of that analogy. I don't remember catching that in book three. Um, uh, and I don't so, believe it is. Yeah, uh, so it must be a book four deal because that's more in depth stuff. But um, uh, but the uh, <clears throat> uh, th- that analogy is going into the fact that uh, you ask Christ to come in uh, so that he can make for you the perfect house and you probably already have the idea of the perfect house and you, you or you, you have like this is what yeah this is my perfect house i want to be like this and like this and like this but then the uh you know christ is the one who initially built the house to begin with and you just went in and screwed it up so he or he knows what the perfect house is because he's the architect so he's going to go in and he's going to make the perfect house and the whole time he's doing it you're going to say hey wait a minute i i liked those decorations um what what are you doing over here <laughs> yeah it's a it's a really cool analogy mm-hmm. and i i think you're right i think it is in the next book so i get to talk about it again which is fun because it's my favorite one mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so uh, chapter two. Chapter two. Mm-hmm. So we're now getting into the cardinal virtues. Mm-hmm. Um, and we start with bah, 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 bah. prudence. Um, prudence. So uh, he does make a quick um, point at the beginning mm-hmm. um, talking about how the cardinal virtues doesn't come from um, cardinals in the Catholic Church, but from the mm-hmm. Latin word meaning the hinge of a door. Mm-hmm. And in that meaning that they are pivotal, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Quite kind of. I mean, I've, quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a cool thing. It's like these are the main things that you should be keeping um, as part of who you are and your morality because uh, it is but I'm sh- pivotal and becoming a better person and a better Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cardinal, so basically virtues are virtually ha- unobtainable. <laughs> um, uh, uh, un- un- unattainable, not unobtainable. Uh, you can't uh, acquire them. Uh, they're virtually unattainable in the cardinal and theological virtues. The primary difference is that the theological virtues deal strictly with Christianity, while the cardinal virtues are virtues that everyone should strive for, even though uh, without Christianity, all the virtues are effectively impossible to attain. Um, uh, it's more. It's more of a these cardinal virtues are things that no matter who you are, you're going to agree everybody's gonna say this is stuff to do whereas the the three christian virtues it doesn't like those those are those are things that don't make any sense for the most part um uh, unless you're a christian whereas everybody likes mm-hmm. these four the um there's a quick side note here that i find interesting um, this is actually something that um, the Catholic Church does that I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. They don't do it for this reason. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I think this is just how I take away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have um, yeah, the the patron saint of blah, blah, the patron saint of this, of that, of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it's pretty interesting to me to see like when they have like the patron saint <laughs> of these different virtues. Um, because it's what they'll do is they'll pick a, a saint who, if you look at their story, their uh, life and their actions embody this particular thing and i i like that um just because it's it's like it gives you um an easy definition um of what these things are like here are some actions that this person did that embodies this thing and it's pretty cool i've just always kind of liked that um if, if you're ever like if you're like well what does this mean i can see the definition of temperance or i can see the definition of justice or i can see the definition of blah 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 blah. you can go and and look up who is the painter state of this and like read some of their life story and it gives some really great examples of stuff that they did and you're like oh so that's what this means in your day-to-day doing the stuff and then, i don't know sorry for the weird side note i just like that mm-hmm. yes okay so there was a certain uh saint and i'm trying to find him real fast because it was really funny a bunch of funny ones. Yeah, well, um, uh, yeah, yeah, um, uh, uh, th- yeah, th- th- there was a, uh, uh, yeah, a saint, he's the, uh, patron saint of disease and <laughs> being crippled and that sort of thing. There's a hospital named Anthony after him reason. Saint Anthony the Great. <laughs> um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it made me laugh. <laughs> there has to be one for everything, which is kind of lame. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, okay, so Prudence is the first one. Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> he refers to this in their kind of um, um, vaguely... Uh, not, it's not, I shouldn't have said vaguely. Um, in in just simple terms. Sorry, I'm very tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that prudence is like is um uh, it means making practical sense. Mm-hmm. Where's my note? Taking the trouble to think out what you are doing of what is likely to come of it. He Christ wants us to be single, simple, single-minded, affectionate, teachable, as good children are. But he also wants every bit of intelligence we have to be alert at its job and in first-class fighting trim. Mm-hmm. And this is where he says some really funny stuff about saying like. Um, I'm going to say the phrase wrong. Um, the one about the maid, this is a, the, the, is a, the proper motto. If is you've got not, a quote, I don't. Yeah, I have, I have it open in front of me. So good. go for it. Yeah. The proper motto is not be good, sweet maid, and let who can be clever, but be good, sweet maid. And don't forget that this involves being as clever as you can. Right. Yeah, the, and this is a, it's a pretty funny, that him being funny in that mm-hmm. dry sort of way that he always is, but I mean, it is it is kind of the thing um it's it's about always being as practical as you humanly can because being a christian involves being very practical mm-hmm. uh, and then immediately after that the best one of the best sentences of the chapter god is no fonder of intellectual slackers than of any other slackers yeah, that's mm-hmm. very. I like this a lot because you you see a lot of arguments. I don't even say arguments. A lot of people who talk down about anyone who would um, follow Christianity. Um, mm-hmm. There's always an intelligence argument, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's like a go-to yeah. kind of layup thing. Like, well, you deny this and you deny this, so you're just all a bunch of idiots who do this. But he makes a lot of good points mm-hmm. about how this involves being as intelligent as you humanly can be. It's your duty to be intelligent. It's your duty to seek knowledge and do the absolute best you can to be an intellectual. It involves doing a lot of reading up on the things um, that revolve around the thing that you're following. You're not just saying I'm a Christian for the heck of it. You should be like, no, I need to know why all these things are. I need to be reading religious texts. Like I'm going to consider mere Christianity religious texts as far as I'm concerned. And then and talking about it and learning about it and becoming sharper in those areas yeah and that's uh that that, that's something you um uh, you don't necessarily what i'm talking about oh yeah so you 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 do become sharper but it's not you know you just immediately become smarter upon being saved um uh, a lot of people said that uh because it was uh windy bagwell Uh, i liked him um uh he said getting becoming a christian is the smartest decision you'll ever make but it doesn't automatically make you a smart man. If you're an mm. idiot and you get saved, you're a saved idiot. You're a saved idiot. <laughs> He's got some great quotes. <laughs> I mean... Oh, and then uh, yeah, up next, oh, just finished uh, Prudence. Up next is the one that you desperately wanted to define in C.S. Lewis's way. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Mm-hmm. So there's... <clears throat> He talks a lot more about this than I left notes for, which is not very smart on my part. Yeah. Um, I did think it was important for us to talk about this because you and I hold very similar um, thoughts on this. So if you look at the definition of temperance, I'm going to – I had it pulled up and I moved my phone, but I'm going to go ahead and look up the, the definition of, prince, of temperance because this is funny for me. 
My apologies, everyone. My phone isn't working. Mm-hmm. Yep. The this is stupid. Modern definition of temperance. Abstinence, Abstinence from alcoholic drink. Mm-hmm. Teetotalism. So Lewis talks about this in a little bit more depth, saying it's not about being a teetotaler. It's not about abstaining from alcohol. It's about abstaining from obsession, um, more mm-hmm. or less. Yeah. But it's about temperance referred not specifically to drink, but to all pleasures, and it meant not abs- abstaining, but going the right length and no further. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So this is, he says something about saying anyone who's just as obsessed with his his motorbike is is just as bad as someone who's obsessive with drinking. The difference is being obsessed with your motorbike doesn't make you stumble in the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so this is one of those things where people see certain <coughs> wrong things as being more wrong mm-hmm. because it's so obviously affecting you <coughs> negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really kind of the thing about, and I understand it. I mean, there there's a lot of pretty much every different, version of Christianity, if you will, all the different, um, what do you want to call denominations, all the different ones have maybe have different things they focus on, but they are all really about looking as good as you can. And this is important, Mm -hmm. right? To a degree, it's important because you are trying to leave an impression and that's fine. Um, but you're, the argument that Lewis makes here is some people, um, are near maybe nearer to heaven than other people who look like they're nearer to hell than other people. And obviously, uh, it, that's not like the important thing. It's just his way of letting you know just because this thing might be frowned upon more <clears throat> than a woman being obsessed with bridge because she's maybe she never talks about being obsessed with bridge, but she is obsessed with it. She mm-hmm. is just as guilty of not being temperate as the guy who's sitting at the bar getting wasted every single day of his life. Yeah. Like, they're equal, they're both equally in the wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, to read uh, a, a thing on here, uh, I said, It is a mistake to think that Christians ought all to be teetotalers. Of course, it may be the duty of a particular Christian, or of any Christian at a particular time, to abstain from strong drink, either because he is the sort of man who cannot drink at all without drinking too much, or because he is with people who are inclined to drunkenness and must not encourage them by drinking himself. But the whole point is that he is abstaining, for a good reason, from something which he does not condemn and which he likes to see other people enjoying. Of the next, an individual may Christian, an individual may Christian, an individual Christian may see fit to give up all sorts of things for special reasons, marriage or meat or beer or the cinema. But the moment he starts saying the things are bad in themselves or looking down his nose at other people who do use them, he has taken the wrong turning. <clears throat> right the... after that quote mm-hmm. is um, a follow-up for that. One great piece of mischief has been done by the modern restriction of the word temperance to the question of drink. Mm-hmm. It helps people to forget <laughs> that you can be just as intemperate about a lot of other things. Yeah, this uh, is what you just went over. What yeah. Saying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just a wrap of what we've been saying, but yeah. it's his words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's the thing. It's it's not it's not that like mm-hmm. when we have when we do this thing in the morning, obviously I'm drinking water today, but we do this thing in the morning mm-hmm. and we're we're having alcohol. Mm-hmm. Whenever you hear us say like "What are you drinking?" and we say "We're drinking this," we're we've got like a shot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, like we have a shot. I don't go downstairs after this thing and pour myself another shot, mm-hmm. and then by eleven, I've had three shots. I had a shot this morning when we did this podcast. I'm mean, not today, but I, mm-hmm. I I might have something else by the end of the day. I might. It just depends. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I don't think I've ever one time went down and poured myself more and then went to something else. I, I'm, I'm not saying it to sound holier than thou. I just don't think I ever have. It, I have no desire to walk around the rest of my day in inebriated. Mm-hmm. Just don't want to. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's not about never doing a thing. I mean, with the exception of like, you know, the obvious things, murder, hating uh-huh. someone all day long, whatever. Um, it's not about not doing a thing. It's about making sure that thing is in moderation so that it doesn't become an obsession. I've had multiple things throughout my life that have been um, an unhealthy obsession that I would say definitely are worse for me than any amount of drinking that I've ever done. Like, mm-hmm. holy cow, I was obsessed with Magic the Gathering for a while. Like, all I ever did all day long was think about or do this card game all the time. And I it, it genuinely did get to be a problem because I spent, like, a bunch of money on it when I shouldn't have spent a bunch of money on it. I spent a lot of time thinking about it and nothing else. And something is simple. I have a <clears throat> addictive personality. So, like, it was... It, I just dove so hard into this thing that it was bad for me. Mm-hmm. That's a weird, you know, kind of a uh, of a uh, uh, point that I'm making, I guess. But at the same time, like that's how this made so much sense to me because there are several things throughout my life that I've been unhealthily obsessed with, and it's been way, way much more wronger for me to have been obsessed with those things than me having a shot of whiskey with you in the, if, on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone who who not thinks magic is wrong and all or magic is wrong, but thinks magic the gathering is wrong, and also who thinks that um uh, uh you know, anything like that is a waste of money and a waste of time and you should never have hobbies. Um because uh, by the <laughs> way, it's a fine hobby. Um uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, it's but, still fun. Yeah. I still like every I have mm-hmm. some cards here that every once in a while I'll break out and try to play with Ellie or like a a mobile game. Mm-hmm. But I mean like it, yeah, nothing like I was before. But yeah, someone a- approached me and said, "How can you possibly justify spending the money on?" Because they saw my collection of cards that I had that I had never gotten rid of. I said, "How can you possibly justify spending the money on these cards that you had to spend on them?" I said, "I'll tell you how I can justify it. Um, uh, between buying those cards and getting a few individual cards that I wanted and going into tournaments and stuff, I have about a hundred and seventy dollars that I put into this game." And she said, yeah, and that's a lot of money. I said, yeah. And then after I found some really, really high-end expensive cards in there that had nothing to do with my decks, so I took them out and sold them for $250. That's how I can justify spending that money, because I made money yeah. off of it. <laughs> I never made money off of it. I lost quite a bit of money just being buying pieces of paper, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Well, see, like, well, because, like, uh, when I did Orzhov, I sold the most expensive Orzhov card out of it happened to be in my pack, and it was the most expensive card that ever came out of Orzhov, and it matched my deck perfectly. But I was just like, I don't know, but this card is worth seventy dollars, so I don't really care if it's in my deck. <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> uh, magic is like the stock market; it's very strange. I think uh, that's mostly what I wanted to say about Temperance. If you have anything else to add, do so, or we'll move on to Justice. No, let's, let's move on to Justice. Justice. Justice, please. Mm-hmm. It's our mom. Mm-hmm. It is the old name for everything we should now call fairness. Mm-hmm. It includes honesty, give and take, truthfulness, keeping promises, and all that side of life. There's not really a lot that we need to say about this. Um, be a decent human being to people. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, do what you say you will do and don't be rude. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like a modern take on it. Yeah, let's, uh, uh, to quote the, 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 the Bible version of justice, uh, the exact quote, I believe, is, In all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. There you go. That's justice. That's it. Yeah. Golden rule and move on. Mm-hmm. Fortitude. Mm-hmm. Of both uh, intestinal uh, and testicular varieties. Mostly testicular fortitude. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, where's my... I have a, a, a bunch of these um, hybrid quotes that you always raise an eyebrow when I say, but I've got one here. It's a not bad wrap-up. Mm-hmm. Fortitude. The kind of... Uh, the kind that faces danger as well as the kind that sticks it under pain. Mm-hmm. Skip ahead of here, brother. You cannot practice any of the other virtues very long without bringing this one into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what it's he a, says, so I, I obviously... It's a good wrap-up quote. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's another one that, like, we... You know, mm-hmm. I'd rather anyone who's listening to this, we don't do this so you don't have to read the book. We do this to give our talk about it you need to go read it um mm-hmm. justice and fortitude he talks about a lot of great things it's just um not killer talking points in my opinion they're worth reading <clears throat> they're worth thinking about they're worth mulling over uh, but there's not a lot for us to say about them yeah and we, we said before that this book is such a surface level book it's mm-hmm. very interesting because he goes over more detail about the importance of courage uh in the screw tape letters mm-hmm. he go he goes into greater detail using fewer words so that's how like I said when we said this book covers the entire surface that's what it does so he uses a lot of words to cover the surface of courage and then in screw tape letters he uses fewer to go into more detail Lewis is my favorite um, version of Occam's Razor because he'll spend a lot of time talking around the main point, getting to the main point, mm-hmm. so that you understand what he's about to say. So he'll give a lot of backstory just so he can deliver a nine-word sentence that completely cuts to the entire point. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. he, that's the reason why I think he's the greatest author of the 20th century. Is he does a great job of descri- here's like Here's all the information you need to understand mm-hmm. the sense or two at the end. Boom, here's the point. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, last little bit of chapter two. Yeah, yeah, character. I wanted to get into that. I, I, I wanted to get into into chap- the last bit here. Um, because uh, the you start. Well, no, because uh, mine is the very, very, very end. So you may your thing may come first. Well, let me read my quote that's down. Hold mm-hmm. on. Someone who is not a good tennis player may now and then make a good shot. What you mean by a good player is the man whose eye and muscles and nerves have been so trained by making innumerable good shots that they can now be relied on. Mm -hmm. Right actions done for the wrong reasons do not help to build virtue, and it is this quality or character that really matters. If people... Blah, blah, sorry. If people have not got at least the beginnings of those qualities inside them, no possible external conditions could make a heaven for them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the uh, the very last sentence you read is the is the bit that I was gonna go over. Uh, going back to to the tennis analogy is really funny. Dad, Dad made that analogy not an analogy, a statement of fact, because uh, he wasn't using it for the purpose of analogy. Because um, <laughs> uh, I was talking about these you know pro golfers and the shots they were hitting, and um, uh, uh, and I said you know I've seen these shots that these guys are hitting, and I've hit shots like that like. You know, obviously they're better than me. They're professional. So, but if I've hit shots like that, what is it that makes them better than me? 
And Dad said, what makes them better than you? At, and and this is this is important because it goes into the to the virtues because you've practiced you know you practice the virtues and you get better at them and then you get consistently do them and you you know like he said a blind squirrel can find a nut you know um uh, but they um uh, uh well he didn't say that but to paraphrase what he said um uh, he um uh, but dad said the difference between you and a professional is not what the good shots look like. It's what the bad shots look like and how often the shots are good. Mm-hmm. He said, yes, you can do the things that they do, but they almost always do those things. How often do you? <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Characters about reliability. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, how, how, how much can you be relied on to always make the right call and do the right thing? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Oh, who was it that said that? It's uh, uh, it's an old quote. I don't know if it can actually be attributed to anyone, but the character is uh, who you are when you're by yourself. Uh, I, the, it's a slight misquote. It's um, no, it's not. It's not characters who are by, by yourself. It's um, oh gosh, darn it. It's um, whatever it doesn't matter it's a a word that means the exact same thing yeah it doesn't make much of a difference yes that is the point it when can you be relied on to do the right thing when it is not like you don't have a social uh, um, obligation to do the right thing or how often will you do the right thing when there are external factors that are pressuring you or make it easier to not do the right thing okay here i found or I, 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 i i found the closest thing to what i found or to, to, to what it is. It's a, apparently an old basketball coach named John Wooden. And he said, oh. the true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. There's another version of what I'm thinking of that isn't that. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, we might need to take a break. I have to poop. Mm-hmm. Whew. And then all, all, the other, all the other quotes that I can... Like right here, now we have... Um, uh, Another, this is the same thing. Character is who you are when no one is looking. That's Alan Williams. So I really don't know who said it. <laughs> they both said it. Mm-hmm. I said it just now. I've said it. <laughs> I said it again. All right, hold on. I got to take a break. I have to poop. Okay. Before we get back into it, I have uh, a thing that I read. Well, good. I'm glad you're reading. Well, it was a uh, a a meme. Um, uh, it was a picture of uh, Robert De Niro's character from The Joker, and uh, it said, "You're laughing." Um, uh, barren thirty-seven-year-old women are panic-buying coat hangers, and you're laughing. Oof. <laughs> oh my. Uh, anyways, uh, we just Social finished. Morality. Yeah. <clears throat> Social morality. So we have this. The first thing to get clear about Christian morality between man and man is that in this department, Christ did not come out to preach any new brand, any brand new morality. I don't say any new brand of morality, just any brand new morality. Um, uh, said the golden rule of the New Testament is a summing up of what everyone at bottom had always known to be right. And it is true. My bottom does know that to be right. This is true. Mm-hmm. 
uh, just after what you quoted, uh, as Dr. Johnson said, people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that's the thing is uh, the point about the the golden rule is it's kind of obvious. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, if you understand what the goal, if you know what the golden rule is, you understand the golden rule. It's not that you need to be taught it all the time. It's that you need to be reminded to do that all the time is kind of the breakdown of that, which is extremely true about people and humans and me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'd be like that is what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and that is, um, uh, uh, and of course it, it, it gets into, into that because it says, um, uh, we need to, and we know we need to do the right thing, but Christianity makes a almost makes a point, like he said in here, not to tell you how to do the right thing, because you're supposed to learn. You know, Christianity tells you what the right thing is and tells you to do the right thing, but then how to do the right thing comes from your own learning, because Christianity isn't there to teach you really how to do anything is to teach you what to do why to do it and to make sure that you do it and so if you're going to go through which i i repeat myself um uh but yeah that's a um a really important thing Mm -hmm. um about the way that the bible is laid out um and then how people like lewis are 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 teaching obviously there is a lot Mm-hmm. in the Bible um, <clears throat> that it does to to a degree have to be just understood as a concept mm-hmm. if you're going to apply it in the modern world because it wasn't in the modern world. Mm-hmm. We have so many stories of people in the Bible because it gives us examples of virtues, um, examples of the of, of things that people did that were the right thing. Um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot in there that isn't just that, but I mean, there's a good chunk that is just here are examples. Now, you aren't going to do these exact same things because it's not possible for you to do these exact same things. Mm-hmm. It's important for you to see the parallel between what these people were doing that was the right thing and the parallels in your own life that will soon be or have already been and you failed or did the right thing or moving forward, these are the right things. This is the reason why the call to intelligence, which is a dumb way of putting it, mm-hmm. is important. If you're paying attention, if you're absorbing <clears throat> and giving a crap, you're going to become better and do the right thing more often. Yeah, which is, by the way, um, uh, something that um, uh, uh, what am I talking about? Uh, well, something you said before is that the Bible you know, has a bunch of stories involving people doing the right thing. And that's kind of the point, right? It's um, uh, uh, it's it's kind of for the example, and also kind of for like you know to get it in your mind, you know. So you're constantly saying, "These are the people who are talked about." Therefore, these are the people who are worth talking about, and these people were virtuous. Therefore, people who are virtuous are worth talking about. <laughs> and that's the point of it. It's not to say, yes. you know, because never, you know, I don't think there's ever a time. When I'll be in a position to save the Israelites from Amalek, no, no most likely not. It's it's unli- very unlikely to happen. Highly unlikely. Yeah, but I can look at, you know, um, uh, Gideon and these men and see how they lived and what they did, and I say, <laughs> ah, yes, uh, you know, 
because you can see a lot about character in there. Because mm-hmm. the the point is not. It's partially for hist- for history, but it's also partially because we wanted to talk about these men because they're good. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if you think about it, it, the 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 Bible is covering a huge chunk of time. Mm-hmm. Inside of that time, excuse me, we don't know um, uh, what else happened. We don't know what other miracles occurred. We don't know what other big things went down. Um, there were a lot of other things. It, we're not going to know all of them. We're knowing the ones that help us get through our life in the best way that we can. I find this to be a really fun parallel in the Chronicles of Narnia, since we're talking about Lewis. If mm-hmm. you are reading, or I mean any any fantasy epic that is basically a, a created world, but we're talking about Lewis, um, <clears throat> you have big jumps mm-hmm. in time to get to the different adventures. And a lot of things happen in between, and sometimes there'll be points where we kind of gloss over them, but or they're just mentioned, but the important things are hit on from the beginning to the end. And we learn a lot about the different virtues and the different things in that time frame. Um, and then you have, like, the children magically coming to Narnia for these really big moments. That's what the Bible is like. Mm-hmm. We, we hit really big, important things. Who knows what else all happened? Well, like um, uh, at, at the end of the the book of John, when he uh, he ended his his account of the things that Jesus did by saying, um, uh, "This is just some of the things that he did," and I believe the what he his exact quote was, "If I were to write all of the things that Jesus did while he was on Earth, uh, I suppose the world itself could not contain the books that would be written." <laughs> Right, I and mean, we don't we don't get to know everything right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, but this is a good condensed version. Mm-hmm. Here's enough to get you by. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> that was a great way to get off topic and be on topic at the same time. Yeah. Um, there's a few things that we probably don't really need to talk about a lot through here. Um, mm-hmm. Quickly, there's a section about saying. <clears throat> quick, yeah. yeah, quickly hit on the uh, I guess th- these couple paragraphs. Or I guess it's one big paragraph, isn't it? Um, uh, talking about if it's you know going to be socially moral, therefore the best option is Christian society. Said so people would then say, in that case, the church must take the lead. Uh, he goes on to say that if by the church you mean the church, the body of believers, they should take the lead, and we should have more Christian politicians and Christian voters and all that. So then, yes, that's absolutely true. But if by the church you mean the clergy, then absolutely not. He said his, the clergyman's job is to be a clergyman, so why do you want him also trying to run the country too? Yeah, there's a great parallel there where he's talking about saying um, – we have Christian playwrights and Christian authors, and he makes a point saying at some point in this in this book, uh, in book three, mm-hmm. about some of the greatest love uh, poetry being written by Christian poets. Um, mm-hmm. And here he says, like, we don't need the clergyman writing Christian plays and Christian this. We need Christian economists. We need um, Christian aristocrats. Well, I'm not aristocrats. I'm using the wrong word, but you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, people who are using the Christian moral compass as their guide to do the things is uh, the point that he's making there's also a brief bit here on usury which is basically um getting interest from people mm-hmm. um we're not going to dive into it because there's no point uh, but he's he basically glosses over saying like is it wrong that our entire 
you know, economic system is based around the concept of usury, technically speaking. I don't know. I'm not an economist. Figure it out. Mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting, but um, not worth us going over. Um, <clears throat> charity? Yeah, he hits on charity, and then he defines charity one way in this chapter because, <laughs> because of its social implications. Then he gives the true definition of charity later on in book three, which, heck, we may not get to at the end of book three. In today's no, session, I sincerely doubt it. Yeah, sincerely doubt it. But um, uh, it, charity, as he defines it this time, is specifically charitable giving. Yes, um, and there's a, a quick note that he makes that I think is uh, mm -hmm. worth mentioning. He was like, "Well, what's the best thing you can do if you have money? Well, the best thing to do with money is give to charity. Well, what's the best kind of charity? Well, the church is the best kind of charity because they're going to give their money to the poor, and that's how you should do it. So just give the church ten thousand pounds, and we'll make sure that we see you right." And he says, "That's not." No, that's wrong. Yeah, which that's um, in a later chapter that it quote is, I believe. It is in a later chapter, but, but, it, but, it, but it applies It right works now. really well for this. Yeah. Mm. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Hold on. Oh, it's a, here's a good wrap-up quote. This is what I was looking for. Uh -huh. I cannot really carry it, talking about the golden rule, I cannot really carry it out till I love my neighbor as myself, and I cannot learn to love my neighbor as myself till I learn to love God. And I cannot learn to love God except by learning to obey him. Mm -hmm. It's a really good all-encompassing quote about this chapter because um, it's encompassing the golden rule. Uh, it talks a bit about, you know, um, oh, I might be taking a quote from a different part in the book. I might be doing this again. Um, saying, <clears throat> you know what? I backtrack. I'm not going to say it because this is definitely a part about the love the sinner, not the sin quote, which we are not to yet. Um, so I'm going to. I'm going to leave that space blank, and I'll, I'll give my thought on that when the time comes. Yeah, that's in the section on the virtue of charity. And that's, Excuse me, my goodness. That's so much towards the end. That'll, that may, if, we, if we have to continue next week on this book, that will be next week. I won't forget my, what I was going to say, though, because it's a, okay. a, really, a really, really good thought that really hit me hard uh, while reading slash listening to this, so I'm not going to forget it. Okay. And then uh, I guess a good thing to hit on before we wrap up, very short chapter, but very, very good. Uh, chapter four, um, uh, morality and psychoanalysis. Um, you touched on this uh, a second ago talking about him mentioning Freud. Yeah, these, these, couple, uh, these, these couple sentences here. Uh, given, you know, it uh, goes back to social morality, uh, but it plays a little bit with this here too. So I, I've said that we should never get a Christian society unless most of us became Christian individuals. That does not mean, of course, that we can put off doing anything about society until some imaginary date in the far future. Uh -huh. <clears throat> yeah, this, this uh, yeah. So the morality and psychoanalysis. Um, uh, yeah, I, th I think it's good to leave it off after this one, but it's it's very short. It's basically saying. Uh, Freud's an idiot when it comes to speaking about the morality side of psychoanalysis. Um, uh, mm -hmm. And um, because uh, 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 it says right here, um, it is therefore, calling what Freud is quite sensible to attend to him with respect in the one case and not in the other. That is a place, uh, uh, his specialty and his and not. He said, I'm all the readier to do it because I found that when he is talking off his own subject and on a subject that I do know something about, he is very ignorant. So, we, um, uh... I love that he specifically mentions that he's an expert in languages yeah. and Freud isn't. Mm -hmm. That he didn't have to say it and he did and I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, uh... <clears throat> yeah, and this, this is basically going to say that, um, uh, there are two parts to the person. Um, uh, there's the... 
the the raw material uh, that is your um uh, your intelligence, your uh, psychological state, things over which you have no control over, and then the other side of morality is what you choose to do with it. And the reason why it's important that it has both sides is because if you're a man who is, because of some psychological issue that you have, a total irrational coward, and you're doing your best to make some brave decision and be proper and good and do what you're supposed to do in the face of adversity, you may, you're much more likely to fail in being courageous than the man who say this man's in a psychological state where he cannot feel fear and you take two steps towards the enemy and faint and this man sees the enemy says I don't want to fight him turns around and walks away you are more courageous than the man who feels no fear even though you didn't make it nearly as far as the normal person would have the normal person would most likely uh, use his courage to go and engage the enemy whereas you only made it two steps towards the enemy but you actually your act may have been more courageous than that of the normal person in taking your two steps before fainting. He, he gives a funny <laughs> analogy about saying someone who is absolutely terrified of cats, mm -hmm. uh, but holding a cat, uh, mm -hmm. may be showing more courage than someone who has uh, sacrificed himself for his friends, uh, which mm -hmm. is hilarious to me, but he makes a good point. Um, there are two, since we don't really plan on talking about this a lot, mm -hmm. there are there's a set of quotes um, I was had written. I haven't. I don't. I don't have them written down, but I have them in my phone. Um, that wasn't an important distinction. I just felt like not lying. Um, mm -hmm. That I think wraps it up relatively well. If you are ready for them, yes. Psychoanalysis undertakes to do. Hold on, I wrote this down wrong. No, what psychoanalysis undertakes to do is to remove the abnormal feelings. Uh, to give the man better raw material for his acts of choice. Uh, bad psychological material is not a sin, but a disease. It does not need to be repented of, but to be cured. Uh, mm -hmm. End of that paragraph is, morality is concerned with the acts of choice themselves. Mm -hmm. um, the Rappel quote being, this is mid-sentence, my apologies, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. And taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices all your life long, you are slowly turning the central thing either to the heavenly creature or into a hellish creature. Uh, each of us at each moment is progressing to the one state or the other. Mm -hmm. And that's another one of his, I, I just have that one down here because that's one of his wrap-up quotes that he does so well to basically sum the entire thing up. Mm -hmm. Which leads um, into the, the, to the very end. Um, uh, um, the the very last paragraph is is the best ending point for this. But so you said um, that means you want to say something more about that. So I'll let that, and then I'll get into the. I think I just dumbed. I th okay. all I was really saying was like I was really just about to say that's not the mm -hmm. end. But for me, that was a that was a good mm -hmm. uh, wrap up. But it wasn't the end. So please read the end. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, the end um uh, gets into the concept of um uh, as you get better. Um, uh, as you more choose to do good, the more you realize the evil in what you could have done. Um, uh, so that is to say, his quote on this is, a moderately, a moderately bad man knows he is not very good. A thoroughly bad man thinks he is all right. You understand sleep when you are awake, not when you are sleeping. 
Yeah, and we're glossing over this not because <clears throat> we don't think it's important, but because what he does in this particular section is he gives a lot of examples to prove his point, um, like about uh, angry men or bad men or, or, or different things, and they're all very, very good, and they help explain his points uh, very, very well, and you should definitely take your time reading this chapter. Um, but there's no point in us giving each individual example. Uh, mm -hmm. this just here's the wrap-ups. Go read it for yourself. It's fantastic. Yes. Um, okay, so we're a little bit earlier than what we usually are at this point. Uh, but given that the next chapter is sexual morality, uh, and we have at most ten minutes left before we have to get off here and start getting ready, uh, I think we should probably better call it. Yeah, because I have a strong feeling that this is going to end up you and I giving talking points back and forth a lot because this is even and this is a long time ago, and Lewis was talking about how controversial the topic is. If anything, it's way more controversial now than when he wrote this. Yeah, and I will, and I'll probably wind up repeating myself next week, but I'll say it gets into the the thing of sexual morality, and all I can say right now about sexual morality is that a man should only have one woman. And any man who takes a second woman is a horrible, despicable, awful person who deserves to be punched in the nuts. No. Yeah. I'm glad you don't know anybody like that, Tyler. <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Good night, Never everybody. It. Good night, everybody. <laughs>